Good morning. How y'all doing? Tell you, we're walking in a winter wonderland in here, aren't we, this morning? Tell you what. I think it's some, you know, we got a lot of hurly burly, burly guys, a lot of army guys, fifth group guys who normally kind of keep people at like arm's length. But everybody's like really close today, and I don't know why. I just feel the love in here. Anyway, my name is Chris. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here at One Church today. Also, want to say a huge thank you and a welcome to those who are following on our podcast or you're joining us live right now on our stream of onechurchmedia.tv. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I always uh, usually get questions and stuff after the teaching. And I, actually, the past couple of weeks when we've done the questions, we've got some questions like from people texting in from Colorado and Arizona. It's been really, really cool and really fun. So glad you guys are with us. In fact, my number is going to be up on the screen. If you would like to interact with the message today, we're really glad that you can do that. want to kind of let you know we're starting a new series today that we're going to be going starting today, going through all the way through the month of January. Quick question, how many of y'all for Christmas, you got some type of technology given to you? Let me see your hands. All right, good. How many of y'all wanted technology given to you, but it didn't happen? All right, that's cool. That's all right. <clears throat> it was so funny, I was talking uh, uh, to Kevin, who was actually playing the bass uh, for us today, and uh, he gave uh, to his uh, lovely person, significant other, a iPhone 5, which is really, really cool. It's like, man, that's awesome. So anyway, a lot of us, we like technology. Uh, it may, you may have gotten a new iPhone, you may have got an iPad, you may have got an iPod, you may have got an iPod. I don't know what you got, but it, we're always kind of like looking. I've been preaching with an iPad for about two years now, and I love it because the older I get, the more I can like increase the font size. It's really, really cool. All right, so anyway, today we're going to start a new series entitled There's an App for That. Because here's the thing. I, what, one of the things that we're going to be looking at over the next five, six, maybe even seven weeks is that God wants to grow us spiritually. If you're here this morning, um, you may be here and you may have not been in church for like forever. You may, in fact, church may not even be your thing, but you came because it's kind of like New Year's resolutions are coming. And uh, so many times we don't, we usually don't have a problem with God. We usually have a problem with God's people. We have a problem with the church. I'm so glad you're here with us because I think all of us, we want to grow spiritually. We want to grow closer to God. I think that's, that, that's what's driving a lot of this urging we have in our life, lack of purpose. We want to get closer to God. And if I would ask, I'm sure everybody would raise their hands, yeah, I'd want to be closer to God. In fact, our mission statement here at OneChurch.tv is this, to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you mind saying that with me? To lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's kind of what we do, why we do all this stuff. Now, I'm going to ask a quick question, and you guys are going to interact. There's no right or wrong answer here, but I want, if you would just leave that uh, back up there, if you would. I want you to look at these words, and you figure out, in your opinion, which one is the most important word in that sentence, and tell it to the person next to you. You got 30 seconds. <coughs>
And it's not because I have bad breath, just to let you know. So, all right, all right. Did somebody say, yes, you do? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Clifford, that wasn't you, was it? All right, good. All right, now, let's, let's, let's do some interaction here. How many of y'all said lead? Let me see your hands. All right, cool, cool. All right, how many of y'all said people? Raise your hands. All right, no one? All right, cool. Um, how many of y'all said Jesus? I'll say, if, you, if there's ever, like, any, like, gray area... You choose Jesus, it's the right answer, right? I see what you're doing. See what you're doing, all right? Uh, how many of y'all said grow in a relationship? All right, there, there's not, by the way, this, there's no right or wrong. Some of you are like, did I just lose my salvation? No, no, you didn't, all right? Um, there's no ri- really right or wrong here. Dear Lord, it is freezing. Oh, my gosh. Um, anyway, um, one of the things that we're going to be talking about over the next six, seven weeks is growing relationship. Because what does, that, what does that look like? Growing in what? Growing in knowledge? Do you have a lot more facts? Is that what's growing? Uh, it, uh, what's growing? Is it, uh, your hair is growing? Your beard is growing? I, I mean, what is growing actually? And that's what we're going to be looking at today. I'm going to tell you, over the, after today, we're going to look at what causes our relationship with Christ to grow. But today, we want to talk about really what is growing. What is really growing? What, what does God want from us? And the verse, and we're going to st- hit this verse, and then we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 8. Or if you have your smartphones, uh, you can download version, and you can uh, be able to follow along with us as well. So, what is actually growing? And the verse we're going to be looking at, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without what? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It is our faith. What's growing in that growing relationship should be our faith. Our faith. Now, Quick question, I mean, what is faith? A lot of times we use that word, and we use so many words in churches that we really don't define. What is faith? Well, faith literally means to have confidence or to have trust in a person. We believe that faith is what's growing here. Confidence that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he will say he will do. It's having faith, confidence, or trust. And our big idea today that we're going to look at, we're going to hit this first, just in case you have to leave to go warm up your body in your vehicle, okay? Here's our big idea today. The greater your faith in God, the stronger your relationship will be. The greater your faith in God, the stronger your relationship will be. In fact, let's just take out the word faith. The greater your trust in God the stronger your relationship will be, the greater your confidence in. Now, the reason why I'm taking that out is because so many of us, we don't use the word faith when it comes to relationships. But here is the key, and this really is where I'm landing today. All healthy relationships are characterized by trust. All healthy relationships are characterized not by obedience so much, but it's by trust or confidence in. Think about this. What your marriage probably needs more than anything in 2013 
is more confidence in one another. Because think of it this way. Um, let's say you're out, you're hanging out, you're at the mall, ladies, and your, um, your husband was supposed to come and pick you up at a certain time, and he doesn't. And you're with your girlfriends, and you say, well, you know, wh- where is he at? I don't know where he's at. I'm sure there's a good excuse, there's a good reason. Why, why can you say that? Because you have confidence in. You trust him. You're not worried that he's off doing stuff that he probably he shouldn't be doing. Because you have confidence, you have trust in that relationship. And anytime there's a gap of trust in that relationship, when he said he was going to do something, or maybe she said she was going to do something, you, it's easy to fill it with trust because you trust that person. Now, some of you, if your spouse does something and there is a gap there, a gap in trust, some of you, you immediately fill it with suspicion. Well, I wonder who he's with. I wonder what she's doing. You see, any healthy relationship is defined, is characterized by trust and confidence in. Let's keep on going with that. All right? The best thing a, hus- uh, excuse me, a dad and a son needs is trust in that relationship. All right? I've got three boys. And sometimes uh, I am there for my boys, and sometimes I, I, I don't do a good job at it. I remember one time I told my son, my oldest son, Walt, hey, I'm going to pick you up at this certain time. And I had a brain burp, and I totally forgot about it. And he didn't freak out. He knew, you know what, Dad, he said he was going to be here. I'm sure there's a good reason. And he didn't freak out. He, he was able to call me up. And I would say, there is a good reason. I forgot. <laughs> I've had brain trauma. Anyway, just saying. It's just, there's this thing. There's trust. Think about it this way. An employer-employee relationship. What characterizes that is a good relationship that you like that person that you're working for is that you trust him. You trust her. And if something happens that kind of upsets that trust, you easily say, you know what, I'm sure there's some misunderstanding. I'm sure there's some misunderstanding. Maybe you didn't get paid at a certain time. I'm sure there was just some misunderstanding. I'm going to go talk to that individual. Any healthy relationship is characterized by trust. Now, you take that same principle that you and I say, yeah, that's exactly right. In our relationships, in our, in our husband-wife relationships, in our friendships, uh, in our parenting-child relationships, uh, in an employer-employee relationship, it's characterized by trust, a healthy relationship. The same thing happens in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. That what the greater your faith, the greater your confidence, the greater your trust in God, the stronger your relationship will be. That's huge. Now, I want to play a quick game. I want you and I to imagine three things. I want you to imagine how your life would be different if, number one, you knew that there was a God. You knew that there was a God. Number two, you knew that there was a personal God who knew your name. And number three, you knew that there was a God who would walk beside you no matter what. He would never leave you nor forsake you. And no matter what bad thing happens, you knew that God was still in control. Those three things. How different would your life be? I mean, I mean, what type of fears would you not have? If you knew that there was a God who knew you, and not only that, who would always be there, always be there for you and with you and beside you. I mean, that amazing, out-of-the-box type of faith. 
that no matter what temptation you faced, no matter if he or she came up and asked you for your number, no matter if he or she said, you know what, why don't you do this with me, no matter if he or she, if you're at school and somebody offers you drugs and you say, you know, I'm not, no matter what temptation that you knew this out-of-the-box amazing faith that you have in God, you could say, I am there. Then you know what, I'm not folding. What type of, imagine what your life would be like when things go really, really, really bad, really poorly for you. And you still said, you know what, I know God is in control. I mean, I, if, if, if your finances just took a huge plunge, and you would say, you know what, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid because I know my God is in control and he's going to take care of me. That You know what? You don't have any fear about your marriage. You don't have any fear about your children. You don't have no fear because you have a big faith in God. Imagine how your life would be different. I mean, that would be incredible, right? In fact, some of you, people would walk up to you and say, you know, are you worried about this? No, I'm not worried. Because I have, I have a really big faith in God. And then they try to give you more information and, you know, maybe shake your faith. Yeah, but you got, you know, that whole God stuff is great, but you should be worried. And you're like, no, no, you don't seem to understand. I know more about this situation than you do. Because you only see this much, but God sees this much. I mean, imagine what your life would be like. And how many of y'all have ever met people that had big faith? Let me see your hands. Man, that's awesome. I mean, imagine... I mean, what type of man or woman, whoever you have pictured in your mind, it's like, you know, it doesn't matter what came across their path. They were like totally trusting God. They had confidence in God. They had faith in God. Now, quick question. How many of y'all believe, don't raise your hands, that that could be you? That if somebody said, hey, if somebody asks one of your friends, hey, who is your friend that has really big, out-of-the-box, amazing, astonishing, fascizzle faith? Right? And they would say, you know what? It's him, and they pointed to you. Or it's her, and they pointed to you. How many of y'all believe that that, because I believe that's where God wants to take you. I believe that's what God wants for me and wants for you, because without faith, it is impossible to what? To please God. That's what God wants to grow in our faith. In fact, if y'all ever grew up with like SNL, I'm here to pump you up, right? That's what God wants to do, except without the Arnold Schwarzenegger accent, right? I'm serious. God wants to blow up your faith. He totally wants to do that. And what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks is what does God use to grow your faith? What does God use to blow up your faith? And I'm really excited about this series because it's going to be highly interactive. In fact, today, I want to give you a website that you can go on, and we want to know what God has used to blow up your faith. And not only that, starting next week, we're taking a church-wide survey of everybody's spiritual health. We want to know what you're learning, where you're stuck at, what God is using you to be able to, to move you along spiritually, and it's going to be some really cool stuff that we're going to be sharing with you guys. That's starting next week. 
So I really encourage you, make sure to be here through the month of January. Now, here's what we're going to do. Before, Matthew chapter 8 is where we're going to land today. But before I go there, let me just give a broad brushstroke of the entire Bible. I always like doing this stuff. You know what? What broke the relationship the, the, what broke the relationship between Adam and Eve and God at the very beginning of the Bible wasn't just, you know what, I don't want you to do this, and they did it, or I want you to do this, and they didn't. It wasn't you know, like God gave them a list, you know, do these four things, and they did three of them, but they fell with one. You know, there was some of that, but really, what broke the relationship between Adam and Eve and their Heavenly Father was a lack of trust, that God told them very specifically, I don't, you know what, you can do all of this, but this one thing I don't want you to do. And here was the thing. They started thinking and they were tempted to think, you know what, God's holding back on us. We don't trust God in this area. God, you're withholding something good from us. You can't be trusted. God, I don't think you know what's best for me. You can't be trusted. God, I think you have an agenda other than what you've told me. You can't be trusted. And that, that right there is what broke and led to all of the sin and all of this stuff. It happened over an issue of trust. And God has been reworking this whole trust thing ever since. It's all about faith. God's heart desire, really, God's heart desire is to draw you and me into a key word, relationship. Relationship that's built on trust. In fact, that's one of our key, uh, that's one of our core values here is that God wants an intimate relationship with everyone. That's huge. God wants you to have a really, 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 really big faith in him. And that is, that's the whole reason why God chose this group of people in the Old Testament. God created a nation, the nation of Israel. And the point of Israel was to show the rest of the world what it was like to have a relationship with God. So when God launched the nation of Israel as a nation... In the land of Egypt, he didn't start with, hey, here's 10 things you got to start doing. In fact, here's what he did. He did some amazing things in Egypt to cause the nation of Israel, these Hebrews, to trust him. You see, trust always precedes obedience. The reason why some of you bounced out of church is because all you heard was, you got to stop doing this, you need to start doing this, you need to pull up your pants, you need to do whatever you need to do. Right? Whatever. I know I, I just said that in church, by the way. All right? You need to stop doing this. And you're like, okay. But nothing changed inside. Let me tell you, a relationship always precedes obedience. Always. Faith, trust, confidence in God always precedes obedience in God. But as church, we have a tendency to flip that around. You need to stop doing this, start doing this, this, and then once you stop doing that, then you're going to have this faith in God, and it doesn't work like that because it, that's not how it happened with Israel. God gave every reason for the Hebrews to trust them with all of these ten things that was happening in Egypt and the water and the locusts and all this stuff. It's like God was proving you can trust me. And then once they got drawn out of Egypt, that's when God says, you know, okay, now, Here's 10 things that I want you to start doing that will continue to preserve the trust, the confidence, the faith that you have in me. Because we're, we don't have faith because we earn it. We don't have salvation because we do 10 things and we're like, okay, I'm good. 
Has, it's never been about that. It's always been faith. Abraham was reckoned to him as right. He had faith in God. That's huge. So when we come to the New Testament, we shouldn't be surprised, and some of this may help you kind of connect the two. We shouldn't be surprised to find that in the New Testament, the message of Jesus is this. It's not, here are ten more commandments. If you stop doing this, if you start doing this, if you're good, then maybe you're going to go to heaven. It's not a to-do list. It's not if you do four out of the seven, then God will love you. No, no. When you come to the New Testament, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever... Come on now. Believe. It's about faith. It's about trust. It's about confidence in God. That is what Jesus came to restore. And that's what God wants to blow up big Your faith. Your faith. All right. Now, Matthew chapter 8. Now, before we dig into this, I know it's a long introduction. Forgive me. This this verse, these verses that we're going to be looking at is the only time, the only time in throughout the entire Bible that Jesus is amazed by something. That Jesus goes, whoa, did you just see that? Did you just see that? Jesus is like, oh my gosh, wow, right? Come on now, all right, wow. And let me tell you what Jesus, what didn't amaze Jesus was, man, did you see that person not commit adultery? Did you see that person not lie? Oh my gosh, it wasn't an act of obedience, it was an act of faith. Jesus was amazed. This is what it says. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. When he came down from the mountainside, Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I love this. So this guy with leprosy falls down before Jesus. I love this. Jesus reached out his hand and did what? He touched the man. Man, a lot of faith there. I believe that you can heal me of leprosy. Jesus reached out his hand and says, I am willing, be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. That's awesome. That's quite amazing. I know some of you are like, okay, I've read that. I know Jesus can do some amazing things next. Kind of a golf clap. Right? This next part, though. Jesus just did a miracle. He's getting ready to do another miracle. But something It's going to be different between these two stories. Look at this. Verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion. Let's stop right there. What is a centurion? A centurion is a Roman soldier who has 100 men assigned to him. And whatever he says, these 100 men have to do. This is a guy who's in authority. All right? A, A centurion came to him, Jesus, asking for what? Help. Here's this Roman centurion, and he's like probably walking around in his dress blues with his medals clanging, right? He's probably flanked by some of his guards, maybe 50 on this side, 50 on this side. And he comes, and he approaches Jesus. Now, Jesus' disciples are going, oh, no. Oh, we've done it now, Matthew. What have you done? The police are after you. You've done something. You've done cook the books, dude. Right? No, no, no. I mean, all of his disciples are probably are freaking out. And, and this guy in his dress blues, medals clanging, you know, swords clanging, he comes up. And look at what happens. 
Look at what, now before, before we get there, you got to remember, Romans are the bad guys. They're the invaders. They're the ones that force taxes out of you. These are the folks that when they showed up at your house, you hid the n- nice silverware. Right? I mean, these people were, um, you, uh, you would say, hey, why don't you come with me? And you never saw that person again. Right? I mean, they forced you to do stuff. These were bad guys. And most of the Romans, in fact, maybe if not almost all of the Romans at this point, they didn't believe in, like, God, God. They definitely didn't believe in Jesus. They probably worshipped, like, things like Zeus or Apollo or Hermes, all right? But look at what happens. This centurion comes up and it says, Jesus, I need a favor. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible su- suffering. Now, remember, the Jews hated the Romans, And Jesus' disciples are probably thinking, okay, he's at home paralyzed, suffering? Good. In fact, I hope it's contagious. I hope you get it. In fact, not only I hope you get it, centurion, I hope you go visit Caesar and you give it to Caesar and this whole plague kills thousands of people. Yay, God! Right? The disciples are going, "This this is a time to rejoice. Now, Jesus, let's go help some Jewish people, some good Jewish people. But look... And what Jesus says, verse 7, Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. To which Jesus' disciples are going, time out, dude, seriously, time out. Do you know, they're they're like the Jewish Pharisees, they don't kind of like you anyway. And if if they see you hanging out with Roman people, soldiers even, the bad guys, do you know what they're going to do to you? I I mean, there's a thousand different reasons why you shouldn't do this, Jesus. We're going to have to leave town. Look at verse 8. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. To which the disciples said, well, we can agree on that. In fact, not only does Jesus not deserve to come into your house, we don't either. All right? Because you're a Gentile pig. I mean, there was hatred here. Hatred here. But look at verse 8. Centurion says this. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. In other words, Jesus, I've been watching you. You may not have known this, but I've been watching you, and I don't need you to come to my house to touch anybody. We can do this wirelessly. All you got to do is say the word. And you know what? Everything is going to be okay. We can do this long distance. And at this point... Jesus probably has a long pause, and, and, and Jesus, his mouth is kind of maybe open a little bit, and he's looking around at the disciples, and they're kind of looking at him, and the disciples are going, man, this dude has kind of like a, a big faith. And then he gives this explanation of why he has this big faith, the centurion does. He says in verse 9, for I myself am a man under authority. The centurion is saying, Jesus, you and I got something in common, all right? Here's what we got coming, yeah? You got two legs, two arms, you got a head, you got a beard, and here's what I got. I got two legs, two arms, a head, probably don't have a beard, all right, because I'm in the military, you know? I'm not fifth group, all right? And uh, just saying. Anyway, and, but here's the thing. Here's what we got in common. When I tell somebody to do something, they do it. If I tell somebody, you need to go and you need to breach that door, they're going to breach that door. If I tell somebody, you need to stand guard all night, and if you fall asleep, I'm going to kill you, 
They're going to stand guard all night. That's what I do. And let me see, I've seen what you do, Jesus. And when you command sickness, the sickness is gone. When, when death shows up, you go, and death leaves. I mean, you command sickness and death. That's what you and I have in common. And the reason why my men listen to me is because I, 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 I outrank them. All right? I've got more stars. I've got more bars. All right? And here's the thing. I think the reason why sickness and death listen to you is because you outrank them. You and I have some things in common. Look at this. Verse 9. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers underneath me, just like sickness and death under you. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now listen to this next verse. This is where we're going to end. This is where we're going to land. When Jesus heard this, when Jesus heard this, he was astonished. That, that's, a, that's a little Greek word. It's thalmazo, and that just literally means amazed, astonished, astounded. He went, whoa. Jesus went, whoa. This is the only time this word is ever associated with Jesus. It's not associated with someone's act of obedience. It's associated with somebody's incredible faith and trust and confidence in. And Jesus is thinking, wow. Peter, watch this. You need to listen to this dude. Matthew, Put that down. Listen to this. This dude has something to teach you. This dude has something to show you. And he's not even part of our people group. He's the enemy. But he has big faith. You see, what caused Jesus to go, I'm amazed, I'm astounded, whoa, wasn't just obedience. It was big faith. Big confidence in him. I mean, that's huge. Look at what it says. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished, and he said to those following him, I tell you the truth. I have not found anyone. By the way, this is such a put down. This is such as a slap in the face to the Pharisees, even his followers. I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. You want to know what blows Jesus' mind? Big faith. You want to know what astounds Jesus? Big faith. You want to know what moves Jesus? Big faith. And here's the guy, here's the centurion, for all we know, still worships Zeus. He doesn't even know the Ten Commandments. He doesn't know ten of anything. He's never been to the temple. He couldn't even get into the temple if he tried. He probably couldn't even speak the language, yet he recognized Jesus has something going on that's bigger than the centurion. He recognized that Jesus outranked illness, outranked life, outranked death, and he put the two and two together, and he expressed a big faith. And Jesus says, wow, that's what I've been trying to get into, you knuckleheads. That's what I've been trying to show, not only my disciples, but the entire nation of Israel. It's not about doing, it's not about do these things and hop this high and whatever. But did you see that hop, by the way? 
I'm telling you, that's crazy. I got air on that one, right? Jesus said it's not about hopping. It's not about bebopping. It's not about doing this. By the way, I see you, Gino. Good seeing you, my friend. All right? It's not about any of this. God's saying, you know, it's about a big faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, here's the thing. If that's what it's all about, big faith, then you and I, we got to figure out what God uses to grow our faith. That's what we got to land. And the thing that we're going to work through over these next weeks is what is that? What does God want to use in you, around you, beside you, in spite of you to grow your faith? That's where we're going to be digging in. Now, here's the thing. I got some ideas in my head of where we're going to be going. But you know what? I want this to be kind of like a a give and take. So here's what I'm asking you guys to do. I'm asking you to go and do a little experiment with me. I want you to do an assignment, do some homework. All right? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. There's a website Right here, you're welcome to, to write that down, or there's two other ways you can do it. If you're using version right now, you can click on that link, and it'll send you to that website. Or, if you don't want to write it down, you can go to our website, onechurch.tv, and you will see the graphic. There's an app for that. You click on that graphic, and it will take you to this website. And here's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to put your name, and it, I'm, it's a very simple question. What has grown you spiritually. If God is wanting to instill a big, big faith into you, what is he going to use to kind of blow that up? And in your past, in your past, I want you to come, and, and this week, if we could everybody do this, because again, this is good, I want to learn from you guys. Alright? I want to I know what God has used to propel your faith. It may not, your faith may, may have taken a hit right now. Maybe you're struggling spiritually. I'm not asking that question. That's later on. But in your past, what has something that God has used to make you shoot out like a rocket? All right? You can do, you can do this website if you want to bring something on a piece of paper to me and graph your spiritual life. And it's high one moment. And I'm gonna ask, here's the question I'm going to ask you. What made it high? What caused you to get spiritually high here? All right? Maybe, and it, it, it's, I'm probably going to get a lot of things like, you know, I went to a camp, you know, ended up going to Mission Fuge, ended up going to Big Stuff, ended up going to whatever. And man, I, I, it, 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 it was something there, and that's what kind of caused you, maybe it was a retreat. It may have been a relationship, a friendship that you had, maybe a mentor, some, some, somebody discipled you. It may have, you kind of went to a church, and you, maybe you went to a revival or something like that. I mean, it could be a lot of different things. It could be, you know, something happened in your life, and it wasn't of a positive experience. It was a negative experience, but life happened, and that just kind of made you start seeking and searching and hungering after God. I'm asking you to help us. I want to learn from you guys. What has caused you to, own, to get to those spiritual highs? All right? Now, and next week, I'm going to be sharing with you some of these things. Um, if you want it uh, anonymously, you're welcome to write that down. Don't mention my name. In fact, I probably won't mention anybody's name. All right? We'll just go ahead and take that out of the equation. But I want to hear from you guys. What caused God to blow up your faith in a good way? 
What did God use? Can y'all do this and help me out? I need some head shaking. All right, how many of y'all are willing to do it? How many of y'all did not raise your hands? All right, cool. All right, before I'm out of here, let me answer, uh, ask, answer some questions, all right? Hang on. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> some of y'all just, y'all, y'all got humor, so I can't even say these out loud. All right. All right. Um, wow. I got four of y'all texted me, and none of it was serious. What are y'all doing? Are y'all even listening to this message? <laughs> y'all are nuts. All right, cool. Next week, all right, I want you to kind of fill this stuff out because this is going to be kind of helping us give direction on where we're going with that. Here's what I want us to land on. Every healthy relationship, every healthy relationship is characterized, is characterized by trust by confidence in, by faith. And if you have a big faith, it's going to equal a big, great relationship with your Heavenly Father. And that's what God wants to give you today. Make 2013 the year when your friends, when your loved ones, when your family who don't even know God, when, when something happens difficult in their life and you're like, man, I got somebody I need to talk to. You know what? I'm going to go talk to him. I'm going to go talk to her. Why? Not because you're always at church. Not because you dress a certain way. Not because God has given you big faith. The very thing that you look at somebody else and go, man, I admire them for that. God wants other people to admire in you. Big faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your love and your grace. We thank you so much, God, that we can be able to come and that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you want to pump up our faith. Well, we thank you so much for your love. I thank you so much, Lord, for the volunteers who, who got here early today and many of them who aren't in this room who's helping out with children and watching our kids. And Lord, I just pray that this next year, that 2013, Lord, I pray that you would pump up everybody's faith in here. No matter, we don't know what 2013 holds, there's going to be some bad things. There's going to be some good things. There's going to be some temptations. There's going to be some struggles. But through it all, that the people at one church, the people in Clarksville, God's people all around the world get through it and not just exist through the struggle, but shine through it because of a big faith and a big God that God is who he says he is and he will do what he said he's going to do. For it's in Jesus' great big name we all said amen.